going on, everybody? This is Matt Batista, one half of the City of Gambits, and this is our inaugural episode. On this pod, my partner, Max Perkins, and I will delve into what is relevant in the sports gambling world and our thoughts on the New York sports scene. We begin by diving in on the most recent sport to start up, and that's college basketball. Really, really cool to see these, uh, you know, these teams start playing again. Um, but I guess give me your initial thoughts on, you know, the first two weeks uh, oh, with, man. with college ball. What's, what's uh, going on? College basketball has been crazy. I mean, um, it was nice to see, you know, to see have games back. You know, I'm a big college basketball fan. Um, so just from like a, you know, pers- like a fan perspective, just like wa- having being able to watch games and great, you know, seeing seeing guys come back. Uh, I thought it was really cool, honestly, this year, just how everything worked out with, like, the NBA draft. It was really nice to have, like, the draft go, see these kids go to their teams, and then a week later, college basketball starts. Like, obviously, yeah. it's not great for the leagues, but it, I, I just sort of just like the timing of it. Like, you see these guys go off to the league and now see these guys playing for their spots. Um, yeah. So that's been cool. I mean, from, like, a gambling perspective, though, it's just been really, really bad. I mean, I've, I, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've lost – I've lost like a couple thousand dollars already. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, it's been pretty bad. It's been super volatile. Uh, like, you know, traditional teams, uh, like University of Virginia, for example, you know, like the, you know, they're usually a lock for unders. Like I would say probably the past two, three years that we've been just like watching them and, and been playing their games, you know, on the book, you can usually always count them in for an under. Like they, they were leaving teams at sub 50. Uh, that's that's an iconic duo. Virginia's you know, an under. They Virginia's go hand under, in hand. Like, usually, it's yeah. Usually, you don't even watch the games. You just like check the game an hour later. Like your money's in. Uh, it usually hits. But this year, they've been interesting. You know, I mean, I we bet on their first game of the season. They ended up having an over. That wasn't that crazy. It was the first game, but I just think that the tradition traditional picks, and I'm not even talking about just power five teams or just like great favorites, but teams that are usually good calls, games that usually we find to be more advantageous just haven't been that way. Like the volatility in the sport's been crazy. And I don't know if that's because of uh, the lack of fans, maybe the lack of like time practice and, and games being shuffled around because of COVID, but it's just been a really shaky year. You know, I just, just can't seem to put my finger on it and can't seem to get a grasp really of how everything's going. So, um, and that's, that's what's crazy. That's been my initial th- thought of it. Just, yeah. It's just been yeah, very yeah. volatile. It's been very different than it's ever been since I've been like since I've been like gambling college basketball. It's been very different. Yeah, and I guess on that, yeah, we obviously we we've been we've been on the book for for a few years now, so we we've been around the block. And out of all the sports, we have you know multiple good sports. I would say hockey's hockey's a good one for us. Uh, NBA is also good for us, but college basketball. You know, has been a, has been a money maker in the uh, you know in the past, which is well, it's every you know, day. It's, exactly, it's but, every day, you know, 12, 12 p.m. all the way up until eleven. So we don't support gambling every day. day. Like, don't do that. Like, nah, you probably have a exactly. problem if you do. But if you are but going to gamble one, one day, college basketball is a great sport to gamble on because there's games sure. every day all day. But if you're <laughs> gonna do it every day all day, let's let's I guess just. Just stayed up, you know, off the off a rip right now. Call one eight hundred gamblers if you need any help. You know, they definitely will provide some help. You know, we, you know, it's it's all for fun and games, right? Like you don't don't want to get into a, a hole too big that you can't. Don't you, lose you know, your you tuition. Cover. Please, please, you know, don't mortgage away your future on uh, on college kids for sure. So, but what's crazy is that. You know, I think what ended up happening is that, you know, when, when sports came back, especially because this is one of our good ones, is college basketball, we got a little butterflies in our stomach. It's like, oh, yeah, I got excited. Back. Got excited. You know, got excited for so sure. We got, so we got, we got a little too caught up in the, uh, in the moment, I would say. Uh, so definitely uh, we're going to have to take a step back. You know, maybe, maybe wait till, till 2020 is over. 2021, new year, restart, fresh mind, you know, turn the page. For sure. Kind of get it going. Because, I mean, it, as I think, as I think it seems, it's just. I mean, dude. I mean, our book might be sick. I mean, COVID, yeah, COVID's might contagious, COVID. dog. I might mean, have COVID. I mean, weren't we talking about dogs might have it, cats might have it? I mean, nah, I don't know. it's true. It, it's possible just, that a book has it too. It's just tough. I mean, I, I think, I think if we're just gonna like just just on like just a basic gambling thing, it's like sort of you know, depending on how much money you have, depending on your you know 
how averse you are to risk, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm sort of like, whatever I gamble, I'm okay with losing. That's like my cardinal rule. It's like, I'm never going to lose. I'm never going to lose enough money where like, I'm, I'm scared. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, even yeah. though, like, even though I said I lost, you know, maybe a G or two over the past couple of weeks, I'm cool with that. All right. Like I'm in a good spot in my life where like, that's an L it sucks, but we'll live. And you're also conscious where you're like, all right, this happened. Let me take a step Let back. Let me take it back. Weeks. Exactly. But, for sure. For but sure. I, but what happens though, at least, you know, I, I would say with us, it's like, especially now with the quarantine, you know, game started 12. So you might look at the 12 o'clock slate, you pick a game at 12, your best bet, win or lose, lost it. Cool. Down. Let's say you're down 150 bucks, whatever. Yeah, cool. You put, you put 1.5 units on it. Next game's yeah. at two thirty, three o'clock. We'll look at that slate of games. You'll pick it. Lose that one. All right, down, down $300. That's not where I'd like to be, but I have another plan for the day. Let's go look at this 7 o'clock game. These are the big games. This is ESPN. These yeah. are our blue chips, blah, blah, blah. You lose that game. So now you now just, you're playing catch-up. You're playing catch-up. Like, it's Monday. It's Monday night. You know, it's Monday, 1230 in the morning, and you're down $450 yeah. in one day. You go to sleep. You wake up the next day. You're like, all right, let's get back on it. You now you're down nine hundred bucks. You can't even gamble anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta close up shop on a Tuesday. It just it it just sickening to me though, because I just look at it. I'm just like looking at my shit, and I'm just sort of like, I've never been this wrong this many times in my yeah, life. Bro. That's I really know. what it is too. It's like you know you start getting fearful of your picks, and that is that no. is the, when that starts happening. That's when you gotta hang it up. You know, that's when you, you gotta stop. hang it up. You, you know, I, I listen. I'm, I'm always a supporter of like doing some research. You know, whether that's you know, you look up the trends, you look at the stats, you read stats. other blogs, you tune in here, you get some information. I think that's all good. But I do think like a lot of this is your gut, right? Like, you feel something, you got to go with it. We don't know how these games are gonna turn out, but it gets to a point. I mean, th these past weeks, these past two weeks, it's really gotten to a point now where it's like I'm looking at games and. Like Kentucky, Kansas is a great example. Like the Kentucky line was four and a half. I saw that game beginning of the day. We were like, yo, Kansas. Later in the day, after a couple of L's, I'm like, yo, the way that things are working, Kentucky's going to cover this four and a half. <laughs> you know, Kansas ends up winning by three. Kentucky covered the four and a half. I got Kansas at three. I pushed. I was cool with that. But it's just become, it's just like you end up questioning every move that you're doing. So you're not even confident in the picks at the end of the day, too. And obviously yeah. that's like, you know, that's superstition. That's, you know, how you feel. But you do want to feel good when you go into any situation when your money is on the line. 100%. 100%. And that's been the tough part about college basketball, really. It's been like, it's the sport that's going on every day. So it's the one thing you're going to be checking a lot. And I end up having like 50 tabs open. You know, like I'm on, I'm on, like I'm on the starting point guard's Facebook page now, trying to see like if his girl likes his Yo, photo. You know, on, on like, his Instagram story. Like, I'm on Twitter see on his girl's page, being like, damn, like she's mad at you. All right, fam, I gotta go bet on bet against you now. Like you might be shaky. Like so, I don't even know what's going on. You got like some, I'm, you got some personal like, problem going on. I'm taking on. in too much information now. Like you know, yeah. my brain's like exploding. So I, so I've decided, like I've decided, like I'm just gonna take a step back. I'm closing down the shop for a little bit, but. It's just one of those things now, the losses have just been piling up, and I don't really know, I can't really attribute what it is, because, and like I said before, problem. I'm not like, like, if I was bad at gambling, I wouldn't gamble. I certainly hope not. You know what I'm saying? I certainly hope not. But this is making me like, damn, maybe like, maybe 2020 is like, yo, like, yo, you're done. Like, you're trash at this yeah. now. Yeah. So... I don't, and I, and, I, and I don't know what it is because, like, Gonzaga is a great example. Last night we took Gonzaga, West Virginia. Dude. You know, we, it was a minus eight and a half. We bought a half, one and a half points, brought it down to seven, which seems solid for the best team in the nation. They've been averaging, like, 85 points a game. Like, play, and they played really good teams. You know, they five, played a really five shooters on the team. floor. You know, a top, you know a, lot, a top 10 pick, in my opinion, Jalen Suggs, who might even move to top five. Just, like, I think he's the best guard in the country right now, regardless of class. He is the best guard in the country. Um, but he gets hurt before halftime. It makes the game a little shaky, you know, and they were battling back and forth. It was a tight game. And they ended up winning by five, you know. Th and, and that's the thing. Like, that's a great team. Great team should cover. Yeah. And, th and that's the thing, right? That's the difference, I think, this start of the season than most 
uh, college basketball years is there's always volatility, right? These are kids. These are not professional athletes. Exactly. They're, going, they're waking up. They're going to class, you know, just like any other regular person. You know, they're going to practice, and they got a lot of things going on. This isn't their main focus in basketball. They got other things going on in their lives. So there's always volatility in that. So that's why we assume, or what's really, you know, you think is, is, is big would be upperclassmen, right? You got continuity on the team. You got, you know, older players that have been there before that have done this a few times. So those teams would be a little more secure. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is, is even those teams are losing, right? Like we, obviously we, we, we made some plays in the beginning. Like we took, we took uh, Virginia against San Francisco, right? You would think, I mean, UVA, number four in the country, gets a, you know, a pretty bad team, in, you would think. They lose 61-60, right? So, I mean, shout out to the Dons out there. Yeah, great win by USF. I mean, I mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, they got a nice little duo guard. I won't sleep on them Also, again. one of our favorite teams in the nation, you know, we've been on the USF bandwagon for a minute, just like oh, we a have, great mid-major bro. program. And, um, you know, we'll get into this a little later, but – Got to always check out for your mid-majors. You know, they don't, get a, they don't get a lot of love. You know, they're not – even in those games against ranked opponents opponents and power five teams, the mid-majors have a lot of really good ball players. And that's, where, and that's really where the money players. is won. And that's, that's where, where the money make, is won. That's where you make your money. Not these games, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. No, you that, just watch not, those for, for fun. Those are just, for fun. Just watch those for the sport. Watch those for sport. Exactly. Watch that for entertainment. But where you want to make your money, where you want to see are these kids. You know, as, as we were talking about, I was sleeping on their, their combo guard. Jeremy Bouye, Khalil Shabazz, that's a tough backcourt. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize they were nice until I watched them, and I was like, damn, they can hang with UVA. Like, they, they got a little shimmy in them. They got exactly. a jumper, and, and they got some nice big men that can shoot. Uh, they, got, they got his name, what's he? Dimitri, I don't want to pronounce, mispronounce his name, out of Belarus. I mean, these dudes were schwapping threes right and left against Virginia. I was just like, wait, so which, which team's the number four in the country? I, exactly. I couldn't tell at the end of the day, right? And, and I think that's what's really crazy is that there's always volatility, but because of the COVID situation, it's given these mid-majors even more of a chance to beat these teams because Definitely. they have Definitely. some continuity. You know, these bigger teams, they didn't practice. They might have a lot of young freshmen out there. So that's why when – we took Gonzaga because obviously we'd been the book been bleeding. We we we've been red, a little blood red for you know for my liking. So we took the the team that was got all the talent, five shooters on the court. Jalen Suggs, as you said, top five, top ten pick. Corey Kispert can shoot the ball. Timmy, nice big man. He's got some moves in the post. And they come out there and they only win by five. I mean, and what's Virginia's listen? West Virginia is a really good defensive team, so I don't want to take anything from them. It just—it just more of like there's certain games, there's certain teams, and this is like historically, like if you just look back, um, like I don't think this 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 team, this Gonzaga team, isn't like that. Uh, twenty, what was it? Twenty, the uh, the the Anthony Davis Kentucky team, for example. Like they're not as good as them. That team was littered with NBA players, high level guys. But when you see a team that just is that looks a lot better than the field. Yeah. I expect them to cover anything single digits. 100%. And that's, that's, and, that's and, 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 I, and I also, Gonzaga, not just because they have a really good team this year on paper, but it's not like they're led by, it's not like they're a Kentucky team that's like all these five-star freshmen. They have Jalen Suggs, who's the highest recruit, the highest rate recruit that's ever gone there. So, in, so just, just that alone, I'm thinking, okay, you have all these solid guys that are coming in that are, you have upperclassmen, you have some juniors, seniors. And, and you're getting a freshman who is the hot, who is the only five-star, the highest five-star crew that you've ever gotten to come to your program. Damn, this team is different. And I saw them yeah. play Kansas. I was like, damn, this is a different type of Gonzaga team. Not just in, not just in the way they play, but the talent level of that team yeah. was a lot higher than it's been Absolutely. before. So that UV, that West Virginia loss for me, if Jalen Suggs played, if Jalen Suggs didn't have to come out right before half, he came back in the game, but he looked like he was a, like he looked like he lost a little bit of a step. Clearly, there was something going on with him. I don't think it's anything long term, super serious, but he was hurt. I, if he played the whole game, maybe they cover. Who knows? But like they should have covered. I don't think that game should have been. That game shouldn't have come down to the last minute and a half to see what happened. That game should have probably been done. You know, five minutes left in that game, just yeah. the just because of the the disparity of skill. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and West I mean, Virginia and, and Gonzaga. And West Virginia, obviously, you know, they're known for their, their defense. Press, Press Virginia is a thing. You know, they, they, they run their program. Well. They know what they do well. You know, they got bigs that are, are, are dudes that body everyone. You grab all the boards. They grab like 60% of their missed shots. But they're not a good jump shooting team. No. And so my thought was, as you said, with the talent Gonzaga has, these dudes can shoot. Like, these dudes can shoot NBA range, and it's, it's nothing but net. Yeah. So my thought was, you know, yeah, they'll keep it close for a little bit, Virginia, because they're a big physical team. Gonzaga might not be, you know, that, that physical. They don't have that physicality to match them, but they'll shoot their way out of there enough to cover a single-digit spread because it's exactly. you are the best team in the country. At least it seemed like it. And when no. they didn't, that's, that's when you know you just got to take a step, step back, Let's watch some games. Let's evaluate and let these kids get acclimated to the current environment they're in. Because obviously this is all brand new to them, right? So you, you give them a little, some time, give them a couple weeks, maybe, you know, get some more conference play in there. I definitely think that's going to be a big one. Exactly. Because once, because those are also teams and players that you might already have played before, because especially in like the big 10, they bring back a lot of players. So you, you know, you, you know, your opponent, you can, you kind of know their skill set and what right. they bring to the table. So that's definitely, you know, probably when I think we'll jump back in there and, and uh, we'll, we'll give our takes there and, and kind of our picks how we go. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think COVID, I, I mean, I think COVID's affecting, you know, professional athletes as well. But I think the big difference is that, like you said before, like these are, these, these are kids, right? Like young men, kids, they're not pros. And I think that a lot of, a lot of the college game is for me comes from the fans, you know, like you, you get it, you get a little like 4-0 run, you get a little 8-0 run. The fans are really what boosts you to that next level. Like the fans cheering when you're at home, you know, like that's where it's really going to will you on those runs, shift that momentum. And for a lot of these kids, they're not used to playing basketball without people watching them. Yeah. You know, especially I mean, for the guys, AAU kids, especially for the Kentuckys of the world, you know, the UNCs, the Kansas, where you're getting those blue chip recruits. These guys are used to having thousands of people watch them at an AAU game, at a high school game. Yeah. So to walk into a, a 10, 20, 30,000 person arena and if there to be no one but your team, the managers and the cheerleaders, it's hard to sort of just get like your flow and get your get, rhythm. Get that juice. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, like, you know, I think another thing that's really hard is if, you know, if I'm scheduled to play Baylor and then Baylor can't come because of COVID and then I have to play, you know, a team Y, I game plan for Baylor. I didn't game the plan for week, team Y. Yeah. And, and, and unlike, you know, the, the NBA, college basketball is a lot more intricate in like plays and style. You know, you're not going to just yeah. have, you know, a, you're not just going to have guys come down, shoot threes, run a little motion, whatever. Guys are going to run offenses. Guys are going to run defenses. Guys have a lot and a lot of plays. And, not, and, and some teams are read-based, but a lot of teams aren't. A lot of teams, a coach is going to call a play, point guard is going to come and play, and you and your scout at your practice, at your scout team, they're going to run those plays. So when you've been running, you know, four or five days, you've been running for one team, then you can't play them. You have to play someone else. It's hard for an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid to just adjust on the fly. Absolutely. Especially when they're Absolutely. also just like learning how to play high level basketball too. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's just really tough. And, and I don't know, and I don't know exactly, you know, like campus life. I don't know what, how that's going to change. I don't know with like restrictions going on different places, how things are going to change. But I do think a good thing, an important thing to look at is, is that like Louisville, for example, they had people at their game. Yeah. So Louisville played uh, Seton Hall. They had fans. I thought that at the end of the game, having those fans, it helped Louisville. I think even though it wasn't a packed stadium, there were enough fans where they could make noise when C.N. Hall came to the free throw line. There were enough fans that when, C that when uh, Louisville got the board, pushed it up, they were cheering. I just think look at some games would be important to look at who might be able to have people in the crowd. Yeah, and It definitely and, and, does add to an advantage. And, and I think that's a, a really good point is that, you know, pro like in, in pro sports obviously the advantages are there it's the same thing with fans to create that atmosphere but these as we we said again these are professional athletes so they can cope with not having fans there they can cope with these things but as a young adult as a young man um the pre the actual game atmosphere pressure is more important and is more valuable so it is very advantageous to have fans 
So that's why, because I saw that too. And I thought it was very weird that some teams can and some teams can't, because I do think in college specifically, it does give you it matters. a boost. It so matters. I think, it, I think that's another thing to take in before, you know, you're making plays out there and, and you, you know, you're just checking teams and, and, and what games to, to take is, you know, you should definitely look into that. And that's another factor that we haven't considered. So I guess just overall to sum it up, I mean, there are a lot of factors that obviously come into play that are different than circumstances before. And I think we obviously were aware of it, but didn't, you know, didn't factor in it as much as, as we, I guess, should have, um, which is why, you know, it, it, we might not have the same, we don't clearly haven't had the same success rate as we had in the past in college basketball. Yeah, at least early stuff. on, though, you know, this season just started. And I think course, the tough thing, too, is that, like, not everyone is playing basketball. Like, not everyone's playing sports, you know. The Ivy League decided to shut it down for the winter. I think that as, you know, you know, hopefully we get this vaccine and things move faster. But, you know, if things move the way they've been moving, we're going to see a lot of teams cancel games. Yeah. We're going to yeah. see a lot of teams someone's going to get COVID and a basketball team isn't like a football team. You know, you're going to have 20, you know, you might have 15, 20 people if, you know, and these guys are not, and it's not as if these guys are so close where you can't really, you know, one or two people on your team get COVID, your team probably, your team is done. Well, I mean, you have an outbreak, the whole team has it, right? Exactly. Football, you can have an outbreak, you have, five six players but you can replace them as long as it's not anyone crazy exactly but look, look at then, trevor lawrence like, i mean he got COVID, no, the best example. player in football and we, exactly. we kept it yeah moving. and then right. it's like even if five people on your football team get sick that's five people to an 80 man roster if five exactly. people on my basketball team get sick i can't play i have no subs <laughs> yeah I, like, I, I can't run i can't you know what i, I mean? don't have a full squad because because like, the, the thing is that like it only you know some teams play 12 some people play 10 some people play seven or eight <laughs> You know, just because everyone suits up doesn't mean they're going to play. doesn't mean the coach wants to play. So That's why we got you know, the bench mob, yo. The, the little COVID, you know, a little COVID here and there can really hurt. You can really hurt the NCAA basketball season going forward. And, I mean, yeah. they're definitely going to – like, listen, there are a lot of smart people there that want to protect their investments. So they're going to find different ways to, you know, get things moving. But for, the, but for now, what it seems like is that things are moving like the NFL where guys are going, taking planes, taking the bus, going back and forth. So that's going to be a big thing too, seeing how that plays out for the rest of the season. I think that it's going to, I think when conference play comes, comes in, it'll be a little smoother. I think that you'll see the volatility die down just because these coaches know one another, they know their game plans and you really have a lot of time to prepare and practice and get everything in for the, your opponent. But this season definitely is not going to, this season definitely going to be a little, a little weird for the gamblers, especially. No, for sure. Absolutely. And I guess we'll just, uh, you know, one of our last points here that I think uh, will be a staple of this, this podcast is we definitely, obviously we love, you know, the, the big conferences, the SEC, Big 12, Big 10, all these things. But we, we do value the mid-major teams, as, as, as Perk said. Uh, we've been on UCF for years now. I mean, back to when they had Frankie Ferrari, you know, they had uh, Rotumo as well, another guard. I mean, we, we've been on these mid-majors for a while, so we definitely want to show out some love to these teams, uh, especially, as I said, San Francisco with their big win. Uh, Richmond also got a massive win against Kentucky, and they're a scary team in a really good division. I don't know. I mean, I guess the A-10 is still mid-major, right? It's not, a, mid it's not a Power 5 conference. It's yeah, a mid-major you, conference, but, they're, you, but the A-10 is also like a top-down this is a good conference, man. Like they got I mean, the Billikins out there in St. Louis, which are nice. Uh, Dayton, Kentucky, obviously, Day Dayton's really tough. You say, my bad. Yeah, Dayton's really, really tough because you know obviously they lost Obi Toppin, but they still got some ballers out there. So that Richmond's a good team. team to keep. Richmond's a good team to keep an eye out um, for sure. And uh, obviously, this year our personal favorite so far to date. I mean, Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky's been really good. I mean, they're really tough. Mean, Hilltop two and two is their record, but I think they're a lot better. I mean, I, I thought that uh, Tavion Hollinsworth played really, really well against Louisville. Um, he was hurt. You know, I think he had a hyperextended elbow. He had a sprained thumb, I think, on his shooting hand. Wasn't expected to play. I'm surprised the kid even played, dude. Yeah, I mean, no, it shows a lot swing? of heart. Like, how is he it not shows a swing? lot of heart 
it shows a lot of heart that he played and he played well. Like it wasn't like he just came out there and like went through the motions. Like he was getting Balling. stops, he was getting buckets, he was Balling. he was giving Louisville's guards a hard time. And you know, they ended up losing that game, but he he had a great showing, especially and, and for a guy that was hurt, which just makes me know that like when he's back, he's gonna have like a fire in him. And it's gonna be that team is gonna I think that team's gonna end up winning conference USA. I think so too. I think I think that's the thing. They're two and two, so it's they're, it's a little deceptive there that you may think, oh, they're a middle of the pack team. But the thing, the thing about college, uh, you you gotta have a bucket getter, which Hollinsworth's a bucket. You can you can put you can put someone on skates real quick and pull up from three. They got a low key NBA prospect in Charles Bassey. This dude yeah. is a beast down low. Charles Bassey's like, a monster. I mean, he collects everything. He's like a vacuum, dude. He just yeah pulls every board that there is out there on the offensive defensive end and then they got some three-point shooters they got this kid luke frampton out there dude schwaps him as i said nba range of dudes pulling up from 30 and if you got those kinds of players you have a bucket getter a big man inside that can dominate the boards and then a few shooters like luke i mean you got a team you got a squad that can compete in your conference and potentially win in these mid-major conferences and so i'm really excited to see what the hilltoppers do out in conference usa um, because as you said, I mean, they've lost their two and two, but their two losses are to Louisville that I don't know if they're ranked right now, but they're definitely going to be ranked after, after this week, they'll be in the top 25. And then they definitely. lost to, they lost to West Virginia, who is no slouch. And they just lost by five to Gonzaga. So, and they all, they played really, really well against West Virginia could have potentially won the game. So, uh, you know, the, the Hilltoppers really got some talent out there. So I like what, I like their game and I like what they're doing. Um, but, and I guess lastly, I mean, we, one more, one more team that definitely shows some over, I guess, player in particular that he got some love. I, I, I saw that already um, by the, you know, the, the media, which, which I really appreciated, but Preston out of Ohio, man, what he did Crazy against story, Illinois man. and is right, dude. Like I, I, I saw him bowling and I was like, who is this kid? And then after the game, obviously they, they ended up losing by I think a point or two, which you know, unfortunate for them, but then you know, people started covering kind of his story. That's insane, man. That's like insane for a kid. But that's, but that's what's great about college basketball. I think in, in, out of any of the colleges is that that growth is more apparent in college basketball. That happens more often. And I, it's yeah. really crazy how he went from one star, half star. He was, no, he wasn't a, he wasn't a recruit. He ended up going to like a prep school and he played on like the, 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 the B the B team or the C team of the prep C school. Team, yeah. And then he like got up to the A team, went back down, then he got a growth spurt, like grew and four inches, ended up at Ohio. And I mean listen, that guy's that kid's gonna be in the NBA. Possibly, yeah. It could right? be a second no, rounder. No, no. Like you keep that kid's like gonna that. be in the NBA. Like he might not get drafted, he might be a second rounder, he might have to go through the G League, but like he is going to find himself on an NBA roster when he leaves college. And, I, and like you said, that's a really good thing. That's a really cool thing about college basketball. Like, you really get to see this growth of the players, you know. Or you get to see guys – because there's so many schools, you get to see a lot of guys who just you would never know about. And then they have a great game against, you know, a top, a top 10 team. I mean, he took, he took, you know, one of the top guards in, in DeSumo head on. You know, they, they were battling back and forth and, you know, really getting after. And it's, it's just – it's impressive to see, especially obviously we didn't – touch about it but you know his family situation as well you know just you know as a young kid to go through that uh, and, and have the mental fortitude uh, to, to push through and and do what he's doing now it's you know it's really major props to him so you know good work out there and I'll definitely keep my eye on the Bobcats and you know another mid-major team that that we'll uh we'll keep an eye out on and uh yeah and, and see how they do throughout the year but I think that that's that's the great thing is that there are a lot of good mid-major teams this year. And I think with the current situation with Corona and, and all that, that gap or disparity that's usually there with the five-star recruits and the mid-majors has definitely closed a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, that kind of plays out. And then if you're going to talk about gambling specifically, you know, if you can find a couple winners here, maybe take a money line at a four to one or five to one, definitely, you know, and, and, and make some money that way. But let's, I guess shift gears a little bit. So let's get into the the NFL season. And I mean, obviously, we're big New York sports fans. So you're a Giant fan. I'm a Jet fan. Uh, we're both Sadly. not really having good seasons. I mean, it's pretty crazy. But I mean, we I mean, might make we the do, playoffs. We do have I mean, some hope. So talk to me about that. How are you feeling with the uh, 
know, the Giants, mm. playoff-bound Giants, mm. potentially. <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm not, I'm not really cool with it. <laughs> like, I would have rather, you know, I would rather have been like the Jets, been 0-10, 0-11, whatever, competing for a top pick. Um, but that's not what's going on, right? Like, it's, what was it, week two, Saquon towards ACL? Yeah, man, um, week two. So just like early, like early on in the season, it was sort of a bummer. You know, you lose the best player on your team. You sort of lose like the one, like the one piece that you go to watch, you know, the Giants don't have, no offense to any of the Giants out there, but for the most part, it's, you know, a bunch of good to, okay to good players. Saquon was the one like elite guy we had. So when he went down, it was tough, but you know, the NFC East is historically bad this year. So crazy, dude, crazy. Four wins with four wins, five wins. We're at the top of the division. Um, I mean, I, I don't see much hope. Like, I don't think we're going to have, like, a run. Like, you, know, <laughs> Dude, you, don't like, whoever, gonna, you don't think no. you're going to upset the Saints in the first I round of playoffs? I don't think so. I think that Hill or, or Jameis will put up a 50 ball on us, and it'll be bad. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, listen, if, if, you, if, if it excites you as a fan, then I don't want to take anything away from you. Uh, be excited. It looks like we'll probably be playoff bound. But it – for me, it just means that it's going to be another two to three years until we really have, like, a team that can compete yeah. for anything. You know, to go from the sixth pick now to the best odds of – now that our bet, now our best pick would be 19, right? It's sort of just, that's like – That's a big it's a huge drop-off. And we don't really have a lot of pieces that we can move right now to get more draft equity. So it just seems like we're just sort of stuck in this, like, mediocre – like, this mediocre position, which I really don't like to be in. I'd rather just be bad. And that's um, the worst place to be in the NFL, right? Is that state yeah. of mediocrity. I mean, it's tough, you know, and we're not like one of those teams that has like, oh, like we have a really good offense, but our defense is whack. Or like we have amazing defense, but our offense is whack. We're sort of like on both sides of the ball, pretty bad. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, so it, I, I don't know. It's going to, it's, it, it's going to be a tough couple of seasons for Giants fans without a and doubt. That, and, that, and that's the tough position as a fan, right? I mean, obviously with the, you know, with the Jets being really, really bad, I'm at this point now. I'm happy that we're as the worst team in the NFL. But that's the dilemma that all fans have, right? Is you know, do we want our teams to win? Obviously, we want them to win championships. That's Definitely. the goal. But you know, as fans, we also you know realize that if we aren't going to win the championship and there are no building blocks, then why are we even competing? Why are we you know happy with six and ten, seven and nine? Because it's crazy that. I think the worst record was the Saints uh, when they went seven and nine and won the division. And, mm. or no, it was the Seahawks, sorry. Or no, it was one of those two teams, or they played against each other, but it was seven and nine that was the worst record. And it's crazy that I think six and 10 might win the NFC East, which is Probably. like, Probably. That's, that's, that's a top 10 pick. And I just don't understand how, I mean, that, that just shows you how crazy the, the division is where you can, be a six and ten team and make it to the playoffs. So yeah, I mean it's it's pretty because six and ten is bad. Like that's a bad football. It's really bad. It's a really bad season. So yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, it's one of those things that you know it's it's obviously if you make the playoffs, you, know, you take it with a grain of salt. Like great, let's let's hopefully win. Um, but if you're going to be a little more realistic, I, I kind of do agree with you that uh, it might not be the best for the future. Um, we'll see. So speaking of future, obviously that's the only thing as a Jet fan I am. I'm yeah. happy with is is I have to think about my future because clearly we are the worst football team in NFL history. Yeah, it's pretty sad like, right now. You guys are looking really bad. Like it's it's I've I've never seen any team in my lifetime that is this bad. And the crazy thing is, is that Adam Gase, you know, I mean, obviously he's a terrible coach, and he's just you know if you watch his press conferences, he's just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just really out outmatched and just overwhelmed. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, he's like, every time he's like, dude, we're always hurt. We don't have our players, you know, wait till we get our pieces back together for offense and whatnot. And we got all our receivers back and Mims, Crowder, Perryman, we got Darnold back and we still put up three points against the Miami Dolphins. Like how bad can you be? Or I literally watched RG three almost throw a touchdown pass yesterday this man hasn't played meaningful football in like three years. Sam Darnold, who hailed the, the savior that we, we did hail him, hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in like 150 attempts. That's yeah. absolutely bonkers. 
Well, I feel like I feel like a lot of guys sort of checked out, though. I mean, I I think that when you sort of, I think I mean, listen, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a pro athlete, but I assume that when your team is that bad, you get like a call from a GM, you'd like the coach, someone lets you know that, Hey, like we're not looking to win this season. Right. Like I think <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I would hope so because I no, I think that like, especially in a sport like football, it's like you go out there every day, you sacrifice your body. It's like, if we're not trying to win, which obviously the jets aren't trying to win. Like, it's not just about them being bad. Like the jets are a bad football team. Don't get me wrong, but the jets could have won a game this, this year. They could have had at least one win. A lot of this is like, you know, especially once Joe Flacco came in and like Sam was like hurt, that was like three, four weeks in a row where Sam had like some weird little thing going on. Obviously like Joe was there because Joe's not as good as Sam. Joe can probably easier, like easier, you know, maneuver a loss for the Jets. But I just think yeah. that a lot of it's like, you know, guys are sort of like, Hey, like I got to play, got to get paid, but they know that this is not a, that this season was, they're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to suck. They're trying to tank. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, obvious pretty obvious that ownership is trying to tank. The players are there to just collect some checks. You know, I can't blame them. So hopefully, you know, all these players out there, man, collect your checks, stay safe. Um, you know, it, it, football is obviously a dangerous sport, and you never know uh, what can happen. So that that's number one. But it's just, I mean, obviously, ownership has set this precedent. Like, coaches are getting fired right and left. Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien yeah. before. And we're worse than those teams, much worse. And Adam Gase is still there at 0-11. So at this point, I think the message is pretty clear from ownership, I would hope. I mean, with this ownership, you kind of never know what, what really happens because they've had some catastrophes in the past. But I think, I think we're, we, we all know what's going on. We're looking to go in 16, and, and the prize possession is obviously uh, Trevor Lawrence, who, yeah. you know, is, is, seems to be, since his freshman year, you know, redshirt freshman year at Clemson, you know, just as good. He, he was ready, NFL ready at freshman year. Look yeah. I mean, right, he was, so. he was really, that, that national championship game against Alabama, he was, he just looked better, you know? It's insane. And, um, and I think, and, and you've said it before, right? It, it's crazy how, like, the year prior, we were all like, yo, Tua, this might be the best prospect we've ever seen. You know, a little lefty can throw with anticipation and really, really good, like, top overall pick. A year later, Trevor comes out and we're like, Tua who? Right? So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that especially in college, if you're playing for like a power five program and you know, you're, you're a really good quarterback. I think that will end up happening is you will sort of get that, that nod. People are like, okay, this guy is really good, you know? And with Tua, not all, this is not his fault at all. Like he suffered like a couple of injuries in those last two years of his career at Alabama. And he's, he's playing, listen, he played, he's played well. I think that like, he's sort of, the Dolphins are in this weird position where they they have their quarterback. They want to make the playoffs. So because of lack of experience, you have, you know, you might put Fitz in, you might have a quarterback come in for Tua. But next year, Tua's gonna be that guy. He's gonna play, he's gonna start every game. And yeah. I think he can I think he can ball. But Trevor's different. I mean, Trevor's a Trevor sort of fits like all these molds that you want for a quarterback, especially today. I mean. He's like six five. He has a crazy arm. He moves really well in the pocket, outside of the pocket. You know, he's shown that he has some legs. He can run the ball a bit. Um, you know, people are saying that he's like the best prospect since Luck or Manning, giving him a lot of praise. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't say that. You know, I like until he you know, yeah. I mean, Payne Manning is Payne Manning. Andrew Luck before he you know mysteriously retired was still a very <laughs> very high level quarterback. You yeah, know? he really was. So I don't want to knock. So I don't I don't want to put like that type of pressure on him and just put him to those standards. But the kid looks really good. Like yeah, he, he looks the part. There, if you have the first overall pick this year, you need a quarterback. I mean, I'm a Ohio State guy. I love Justin Fields, but Trevor looks like he's the guy. Yeah, he's, he, he looks like he's the guy. It seems like he's just a. a a level above everyone else in college this year. Yeah. And so, he's had that I, for a while. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, and it's crazy. Cause like you see that and he was hailed that, but then every year, you know, there's, there's pundits or whatever, and they try to make it a competition or a race that like, you know, there's, there's a second person or a third person out there. And it's like, again, like this year, again, he just like stopped that conversation pretty quickly. And was like, no, it was him. like I'm, it was I'm him. the best. Yeah. Um, so that is my only goal. That's my, you know, my only savior. Cause if we do not get Trevor and land that pick, I, I think, man, this, I mean, then, then this season is just, it's going to be a long time. Ever. It's, it's right? going to be a long time if you don't get a quarterback, like that's definitely. <laughs> so hopefully, even, you know, the, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think even with Gase, you know, keeping the job this long, I, I think that after you saw, like, after I saw Patricia lose his job, I sort of was like, okay, Gase is probably going to come up under the tickers next, you know, just, yeah. he's been bad. I mean, and, and, and in Miami, <laughs> no, no, I, it's, no, it's, it's, it's interesting though, because in Miami, Gase was offensively like solid. That team was bad, but Gase, but Gase didn't look like the problem. Like he clearly, it looked like that team was bad. It was set up poorly, but he was a solid coach. With the Jets, though, maybe it's the personnel. Who knows? But, like, he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at all. Like, yeah, I mean, it's – I could coach the those... Jets to 0-11. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's not very hard, is it? Like, like no, 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 no I'm, like, I'm dead ass. Like, I might not get any wins, but I definitely know. I know in my heart of hearts I could do 0-11. Like, so, for me, Yo, and it's – on that, you can pay me half that money you're paying Gase. You can pay I'll me a job. third, bro. I don't even need millions. Yeah, you can give me like, give me a hundred thousand a year. I'll be very happy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't ask for much. Like, bro. Like, it's so wild. It's wild. It's pretty crazy. And 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 for me, you know, I feel like the Jets can't just be keeping him on because he'll lose games. Like, if you want to lose games, you can lose games. My, I feel like he's gonna end up being the coach next year. Oh, bro, please, please don't like, put that out. There. I feel please. like nah, I feel nah, like nah, the nah. organization has decided that, like, yeah, like Sam might have not lived up to Sam, and that's for a lot of different reasons. But I don't think they blame Gase for that. But that wasn't a Gase pick, you know. It, it wasn't, wasn't a Gase guy. pick, right? Yeah. And I, and also, like, I think Sam. At this point, I don't know if Sam can go somewhere else and blossom and become a star because I feel like he might have just had, like, he might have just been fucked. <laughs> by playing for the Jets for the past three seasons. Just like my man the last Jets will year do got mono. The Jets will do that to you. My man said he got mono last year, which it sounds a little sus. Like, I had mono when I was in college. You don't have to sit out a whole year, especially when you're getting the bag, too. Like, that just seems a little sus. But I feel like his confidence is shot. I feel like yeah, you, can, you can't be asked to lose so much and then get no help. It's like, you know, like this guy is – who's he, who's, he, who's he been throwing the ball to? Yeah, dude. I mean, you know me, man. I'm the biggest Donald supporter out there. I've I've been a big fan from the jump. Uh, That that's been my boy. But you know, I I think obviously there's culpability on him as well. Like you know, you you do no matter the situation, you still have the power and the ability to perform better than what he's been doing. That's for sure. You cannot take that away from him. My biggest worry with the Jets when we did draft him was not that I, I didn't have faith in him. I, I didn't have faith in the organization. And I think, you know, the last two years, you know, that's basically what's happened. We didn't put an offensive line with him. We didn't really give him any weapons. And, and then we made the worst hire in franchise history, which was hiring Adam Gase. And that, if we don't get Trevor, it will, it will end, that hire will end up setting us back for a very long time. But if we get, a, yeah. get Trevor, that's kind of our, you know, get out of jail free card, kind of, we got lucky that this generational talent came out two years later um, yeah. because Sam, Sam should have been the guy, but you know, whatever it may be, I think we'll end up trading him and I wish him the best. I'll definitely, you know, keep tabs on him, but dude, you putting out those omens for the football gods, whatever it may be that, you know, Gase is coming back next year. If that happens, I've been a fan all my life and I'm a huge, huge supporter. But if we do that, I might have to give up Jet Football. Honestly, yeah. I just don't see why he I hasn't lost his job yet. I mean, like, I feel like that's, I feel that's like eleven. I feel like oh, after the Dolphins game was just sort of like it's. That's not even like I. I am. I. I, I usually support franchises letting a coach play the season out, even if they know they're going to fire him. I feel like it's respectful. Someone's been in your organization enough. Like, let them rock. Game six, week seventeen comes. Sever the ties. Black, the, Black Monday. Yeah, like, you know, then, 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 the then you know, they can start taking their time to, like, get that resume in order, going to talk to different GMs, whatever. But I feel like the Jets have been so bad the past three seasons. And then after losing to Miami the way they lost, and not, and, and I'm not, and this isn't, like, a typical Miami loss. Like, Miami's a good team this year. Miami is, like, yeah, they're, they're tough. Solid like, team. They're solid, solid team. team. So I feel like, after that, it's sort of like we're 0 and 10, 0 and 11. We're clearly out. We're out the playoffs. We're not doing anything. Like, wouldn't that be the time to let him go? Yeah. Wouldn't that be the time to let him go? Get in the interim. Start thinking about you know who you're gonna get next year. But to la- leave him on now, it's like what else does he have to prove? If he loses more, it's like now they yeah. know you're bad. Or that's why I just it's feel the like they're gonna let him. It's that's the why I feel like they're yeah. gonna let him stay because I feel like you could. Coaches have that leeway where it's like 
I didn't pick this quarterback. None of these guys are my guys. You know, like, give me a, give me a fresh start and see what I could do. And maybe that's fair, but not for Gase. No, 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 no. no. And, then, <laughs> but, and, then, and, on, and on that point is that, you know, I mean, Gase should have been fired multiple weeks ago. You could give reasons to why. But the biggest indictment is you have your biggest your, – all your pieces are back. And you lose to Miami a second time, and you get outscored by your former team, forty-five to three, two L's, and you have all your weapons. So, and this is your second job. So, like, you're not you're not a first-time coach. You're not figuring out the ropes. Like, this is your like fifth or sixth season. No, he's a vet. He's a vet. Like, like you clearly are just trash at your job, and that's okay. You know, not all not everyone's a good NFL head coach. But as no. you said, no. as you said. I can be bad. So we, we can eliminate Gase. Let's get him out of here. And then that's when the rebuild starts. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. The Jets, until he gets fired, because I am a little worried about what you just said of, of him potentially coming back because, you know, he doesn't – injuries and Darnold isn't his guy. You know, Trevor might be. Um, but I do, I do think funny uh, thing he said today, which is the first time, because Gase never takes blame. He always, points the, he always points the finger instead of pointing the thumb. Always does that. Except today in one of his, in his press conference, he said that he was brought here to develop Sam and clearly he hasn't done his job. So that sounds like a defeated man. And that is right there, the indictment. That's basically saying, you know, to everyone, hey, like I failed. So I hope ownership kind of hears, I mean, you should have known already, but you hear like honesty though. Like, I mean, which I I appreciate, right? Like, I don't think he could like sort of skate. I mean, I, I didn't see the interview. I don't know if someone asked him that question or if he prompted that himself, but like, he can't say like there'd be no other answer you could say besides he didn't develop Sam. And a lot of that, you know, I don't know who really is making the calls uh, drafting wise, but if you get a, if you get a quarterback like that, yes, obviously you want to get, you know, some offensive linemen, but the offensive lineman can only block for so long. If you have no one to throw the ball to like, you know, <laughs> and even with that Le'Veon move they made a couple of years ago, it was sort of like, I get it. Le'Veon is coming off that season where he didn't play. The season before that, best season that he ever had. One of the top nice. running backs in the, in, the, in, the, in the league. But it's also just like, I think the same way about the, the Giants and what they were doing. I mean, we have a couple more receivers in the Jets, but a running back, running backs, every, every two seasons, someone comes in the league and they're going to be the best running back in the league. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. I think that's, we've seen that way too many times way now. too often yeah. like you don't elite running backs come in the league every two three years elite third le- rounders, high level fourth round exactly you know like you don't yeah and i feel like if i got a quarterback the first two things i do would be to get a strong offensive lineman and get a good wide receiver yes like, especially now in a passing league the, anyone can run the ball and i don't and i don't mean that to like disparage like running backs but any top 15 running back and run the ball if you have a good offensive line and your run and you know and your run is only going to be helped with the pass game like if your pass game is non-existent then like i'll just stack the box and i'll wait for Le'Veon to run i'll wait for saquon to run and like that's what we'll do you know i i just think new york sports in general like you know besides the yankees we're not gonna put the yankees in this group because i don't want to disrespect them yeah but like new york sports in general like a lot of i think a lot of it is when you have New York City as like your backdrop, it's you don't want to put out things that are not going to be exciting. So I think a lot of owners and GMs get caught up in wanting to like bring this like big show to the city. But what yeah. happens is like play for so long, they've had so many misses. And like, that's not just like, you know, the Knicks are notorious for that. But I think even the Jets and the Giants have done it too, where like they just had these, they've had these misses and for other players around the league, it's sort of like, I don't want to go to New York, deal with like the pressures of New York. Like the taxes alone are going to kill you. But like the fans, you know, we're, we're tough fans. You know what I mean? Like we expect, even though we haven't seen a lot of championships, at least our demographic, you know, this like, you know, this from, you know, 18 to 35, whatever demographic, you haven't seen a ton of rings, but you expect this excellence out of your team. And, yeah. you know, when you're good, we'll love you. You know what I mean? Like, well, you get a ton of praise and you'll become a, you know, you'll be a hometown, hometown hero, you know? And if you win, you'll get even more of that. But um, if you're not good, we you're going to know and yeah. you're going to feel it. And, and I think that's, a, that's a, a really good point that you bring up that I think the problem with New York 
and and I mean, obviously, I'm a New York fan, so I, I bear blame on this too. Is that our expectations are what's wrong, because we expect because we're New York, and you know, as you said, we should put on a show. We believe we're you know a great city that should be the best in everything we do, whether it's Broadway shows or pizzas or bagels, you know, sports as well. It's everything all encompassing. But that pressure that we do put on these owners, which aren't very good owners, but we don't do proper rebuilds. We always try to put a band-aid on things. We always try to do the quick fix. Exactly. And because we do that, we dish out free agent money to players that don't deserve it, that aren't good enough, or we overdraft people, right? We trade picks, you know, draft capital for aging veterans that are past their prime. And because we do things like that, we're always in a state of mediocrity, yeah. right? And as we said before in the, in previously, that is the worst position to be in, especially in football. So I, I do, I guess, challenge myself and all fans there, like New York fans, that you know, we kind of need to take a step back and be a little more realistic kind of with the state of our teams. And you know, hopefully, you know, I, definitely we, we, it's tough because you, you, you should put pressure on ownership and you, they should because you pay, obviously, to go to games, to, to watch these games and things like that. So we should put out a product there that's at least respectable, which is the problem with the Jets this year. This product that we're putting out on the field just might not beat a college football team. I don't know. Uh, it's no, really, definitely, really difficult. Definitely, definitely beat any college football team. But like, <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm being facetious there. Um, but I, I think that I think that is the big problem is that we just never go through a proper rebuild, so we don't have sustained success. And uh, hopefully, I guess that changes for both our teams. And for me, it starts with Trevor. I know obviously you guys, it's a little different, but at least maybe making the playoffs, you know, you build that culture, you know, maybe a winning mentality, give your younger players some experience in, in a playoff game. Obviously fans won't be there, but it still means a lot, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Jabril Peppers, for sure. DJ, if he's there. So hopefully, hopefully that, that, you know, yeah. can, can put you guys on the right path. For sure. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think, I think that a lot of it is like, yeah, obviously guys are going to have to come into their own and stuff. I just think that the pieces we, the Giants have good pieces, you know, like I'm a big Shep fan. I like Jabril. Uh, I like Dexter. I like, I like some of the pieces we have. I just think that we don't have the right pieces in the right spots. I feel that, you know, yeah, like I, 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 I take, I take a barren team that has an elite quarterback or a really good young quarterback. Cause at least I could build from that. You know, it's hard to build if I have I like agree. a wide receiver over here, this guy that like can play like three, four positions and Jabril Pepper is like really good player, but it's like all the positions safety. you play, you're safety. safety, linebacker. Like, and, yeah. Like, none, like I don't like those positions. I don't need them right now. Yeah. Those, those are like, those are like icing on the cake, right? Those are yeah, just great. Like, yeah. You put that in when you're ready to like make that next step. And that's like the same thing. It's like, I love, like what I was saying before, I love Quan. But when we drafted him second overall, my thing was like, what, what, like, what is this going to do? For yeah, like, like, what good is the, what good is the running back in 2020 if we have no quarterback that can make the running game deceptive enough that we can work play actions, we can run him the ball, we need someone to block for him. And yeah. at second overall, it's like, I have to pay you. Yeah, you got to give him a second right? contract. Like, like I love, I love Quan, and then like, and, and in a world where like money and then like salary cap aren't a thing, yeah, like fuck it, who cares? But in the world we live in now, it's like I have to pay Saquon. You're gonna have to pay Saquon, who also is coming off an injury, right? Because maybe before the ACL, you might have been able to trade Saquon for like three, four first round picks. Maybe exactly. not four. That's crazy. But you probably yeah, can get two first it. round picks. For if he went to the right team that needed him, a championship team, he's the last piece, right? You know what I'm saying? You bring him to like a, I don't know, the Steelers have a nice, the Steelers have really nice running now, but I'm saying like a team in that, a team around in that area, you could put him there and like he could really do something for them. For us, it's like he's going to get probably the second highest or the largest quarter running back bag ever. Probably. And probably. If he comes back healthy, yeah. And he won't, and even though we're, we might make the playoffs this year, he's going to get all that money and he will never have played in a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, right. A, like, I don't know when he's up. It's a tough situation. So it's just like, it's, it's well, just Darnold's, difficult... Darnold's, he was drafted with Darnold. So I think you guys have, he's on his fourth year. You have the chance to pick up his fifth year option. Yeah. So and we'll next year's his fourth. So then he'll we'll have two more years option, under contract. You know, two more and, years. and the thing for me is that like, I don't want to see him go from like a fan perspective of like, just like liking him as a player, the team. But I also don't want to like pay him all this money 
and then we can't build the team out. properly because like in 1975 definitely make him the highest paid player but like <laughs> and that's sometimes i think sometimes i think i look at the giants i think that like gettleman is like caught in this like he might be caught in a time warp that he's back in like his heyday yeah. and yeah. like you know We're... we still just hand the ball off 50 times and just like move the ball up you know gradually but like he's still writing pen, pen to notebook you know yeah mean, like you know what i mean his whole draft setup was mad 1995 I, I don't even think he knew what zoom was He's like, what, crazy, is this, you know? what is this device? Like, you look at the best teams in the league. Like, you look at the Chiefs. They throw the ball. <laughs> like, like, like you want to throw the – like, the rules are set up in a way where it's like, if you, you run the ball, the ball, it's like, that's super dangerous, right? Like, <laughs> like, throw the ball. Like, your quarterback can't be touched. Your wide receivers are pretty safe. Like, throw the ball. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know the statistics on it, but, dude – Every time someone throws a deep ball, it feels like it's either going to get caught or there's a there's a yellow handkerchief flying out on the field for pass interference. It might be 50% of the time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that you're completely right. I mean, it's one of those things that you – know, I think the Jets and Giants are both living in, you know, 1980, this archaic, you know, offense. It just feels you know? like, at least definitely for the Jets, I, I think the Giants a little bit as well. It just feels like our teams are playing a different sport. Um, and we're, yeah. we're, we're not prepared for, for 2020 football. So, no. as I said, hopefully that changes uh, in the near future so that we can, you know, witness some good football. Also, we'll before we get out of here, man, do you, do you have any, you have any plays out. for the people? you have any picks for the people? I know, we, I know we said that we haven't been doing that well, but, I mean, it does not I mean, mean that I haven't been looking at some games. That's the thing. But that's the thing. You always got to keep an eye on these, on these, uh, on these games, right? I mean, always, you know, just, be, just because you're not putting your money up doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, be involved and, and checking out kind of what's, what's going on. Uh, at the current moment, I would actually go football. I know we've, right. just been talk- we've just been talking um, specifically, um, you know, NCAA for in recently. But what I would do, I mean, I'll go against my squad, man. I mean, I love it's the Jets, obviously. I'm a diehard fan. But, dude, we, we can barely put up 10 points. Yeah, but uh, Vegas got smashed. And, Ve- and that's what I'm saying. I was actually worried about Vegas – before this game, potentially, you know, because it's a West Coast team. It's a one o'clock game. You know, those are always little trap games. Yeah. But Vegas, Vegas got beat down by a pretty bad Atlanta Falcons team without pretty, Julio Jones. Pretty bad. So I expect the same thing to happen to the New York Jets uh, in East Rutherford on Sunday at 1, 1 p.m. So uh, if you want a lock, I think if you even if you buy it down potentially, if you want to buy it down to seven, so that you have that kind of cushion just in case. But to be honest, I think this is at least a ten score game or a ten yeah. point game, probably more, because uh, we're pretty bad. So that would be my my lock of the week or my pick of the week. Uh, I guess how about yourself? You got one more for the for the for the fans out there? Man, man, um, I guess. I guess I would have to go – I'll go back in college basketball, so you can take with a grain yeah. of salt. Take with a grain of salt. Nah, but because but, you're um, not going to take it, I think this is probably a hit. It's an absolute um, winner. I would say, listen, back Baylor – I mean, back in Zag against Baylor, uh, it's three and a half points. Uh, they're probably going to come out really strong. Um, obviously, uh, you know, recording this on a Thursday, so um, it'll be a Saturday. This, I'm talking about a Saturday game, so we don't know what will happen uh, in the next two days. But regardless, uh, I would take that Gonzaga. I would take Gonzaga over Baylor. Uh, I still think they're the best team in the nation. Uh, they're going to come out pretty strong. Baylor's also another really good team. They're ranked two in the nation. But uh, I think that Gonzaga has has a little bit more talent on the floor, and uh, they'll definitely have the best two players uh, on the court. So that that'll be my that's my pick for uh for the for the week. For the Baylor week? over right. Gonzaga over Baylor. I, I like that. I like that. Especially, I mean, it, 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 I think key, definitely key to this before anything is uh, make sure Jalen Suggs is close to 100% or will that's play. Definitely, that's the biggest let's, one. Let's, make sure he's, make sure he's good. Make sure he's playing. Yeah, let's throw that ca- caveat out there because, you know, you don't, you don't want to be missing that player. Uh, it was really, really good. But I guess going to college ball, I'll give one more out there because we, we do love our, uh, our mid-majors. Uh, so definitely want to give some love out there. For I, sure. I would say – the line right now I'm seeing at eight, eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really good team this year, San Diego State. Ah, San Diego State, yes. Obviously, they lost their 
you know, Flynn to, to the pro ranks. I mean, tough point guard. But they are 3-0, have absolutely destroyed competition so far. And That's they're a dangerous playing, team. And they're playing a good Colorado State team. But Colorado State hasn't played yet this year. So I assume that because they haven't played, they haven't gotten that game action. San Diego State's already played three games. So they're, they're well into the groove. They kind of get what's going on. I think it'll take Colorado State at least a half to kind of get it going, and I don't even think it'll be enough. This is definitely a 10-point win at minimum uh, for San Diego State. So I definitely back the Aztecs uh, on Saturday. So nice. I guess those are, those are our three plays out there. If you're listening, take the Raiders over the Jets, take Gonzaga over Baylor, and, uh, and San Diego State over Colorado State. Uh, definitely a team that we will be keeping a close eye on moving forward. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with our next episode of City Gambit soon. As always, you can follow us at Concrete New York on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as our website on ConcreteNewYorkSports.com. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your pods. We're up on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and all other streaming platforms. And as always, stay concrete.